Hi, y'all. It's Angela, and I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. I am so excited about this subject today because I feel like this happens to a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners. Back when I started my business, doing this was not readily available. There were not websites, there wasn't YouTube videos, like tutorials that could help you build your own website. And so today we're going to be talking with an amazing website educator. That's exactly what she does. She educates people on how to have a good website and what most of us may have either, you've either experienced this or you've heard a story about it, a, a nightmare, like a website nightmare. So the uh, website educator of Bon Accord Creative, Brenda Cadman, is going to be sharing with us how to avoid a website nightmare. And there's lots of great talking points, so you're going to want to listen all the way through. Even if you don't have a website, which some newer, younger people that we coach, they're like, but I have a Facebook and I have a Instagram and... I've got this and I've got that. Do I really need a website? And, you know, there's a strategy that you really have to go through because it can be an investment and it is kind of like your electronic business card, but I'm excited to see what Brenda has to say about that. So Brenda, thank you for being here today. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. You are so welcome. Before we dive into like all the goods, can you <laughs> just share with us like, what is your background and why do you have such this passion about educating people? Like, how did you get to that point where you're like, oh my gosh, this is a, a business slash entrepreneurship crisis problem with these nightmares. How did you get to where you are today? Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. Hi, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Business Unveiled, expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals, where we take you behind the scenes of our past experiences in the creative industry and share with you what we have learned from them and how they have made us stronger. This podcast will help you grow a productive and profitable business to launch you into success within the creative industry. Today's podcast is brought to you by Vlog Easy. That is V as in victory. Vlog Easy is an app in the iTunes store for iPhones that help you make content videos as well as vlogging on the go to share with your audience. It has absolutely transformed the way that I do video and communicate with my audience. If you are looking for an app that allows you to edit 
on the go. Or if you simply don't know how to edit videos, this app allows you to do just that. You can record yourself in a quiet room. You don't have to remember what to say. You can simply look at your notes and each time you're quiet and you pause, the Vlog Easy app takes all of those quiet moments out and edits everything together. It's like magic and it saves so much time. Vlog Easy allows you to record in vertical or horizontal formatting. You can import existing videos that live on your phone into the app and so much more. Vlog Easy Pro gives you the unlimited cloud backup as well as removing the watermark. Give it a try for free today. The link is bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y slash Vlog Easy. In all caps. Vlog easy is case sensitive. So be sure that you've got that caps lock on and you're putting in vlog easy in all uppercase. V is in Victor, L-O-G-E-A-S-Y. Give it a try. Oh boy. How much time do we have? <laughs> it's, question. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a long journey. Uh, January will actually mark my 20th year in business and me too, girl. Yeah, you do. Well, there you go. Gosh, we do have a lot in common. We've I've just been right? both have the background in psychology. We both have twenty. Gosh, this is great. Okay, we're off to a good start. Um, so I'm actually not a developer though, and a lot of people okay. wonder, you know, when did I go to school to get into building websites? And there's a big difference between me and a lot of other companies in that I'm I'm not the one building the websites. I run a business that builds websites and my background is actually more on the administrative and um, project management kind of side of things. I would say going back, the foundations of this really started, I was raised in a home where technology was really embraced. I can remember being in the mid eighties and my dad would bring home um, the early Mac computers. You might remember oh, the, the boxes with the, the tiny screen. I mean, those like, 20 pound vintage <laughs> the vintage ones because he knew he just he he saw it early on that these were going to be really important in the lives uh, of his daughters so he exposed us to computers at a very fairly early age and then it was probably around 88 that he formally bought one and we had we were the first ones on the block with internet and Amazing. i just early on you know you just sometimes you find early on that thing that lights you up. And I mm -hmm. never thought I would actually build websites, but I knew I was going to probably do something with this medium because I could see the power oh. of the power of it, even in the early days of just, you know, news groups and message boards. So I started dabbling with website design while I never actually was a developer, the days of Microsoft front page. Um, <laughs> I, I started playing with that and I had built a fan website for a music group that I, I really liked and I, I created multiple iterations of that. And in that process, I ended up connecting with other people that liked that particular band and they had businesses and they asked if I could help them with their websites. And it just kind of organically turned into this opportunity. So when I was in university, um, finishing my degree in psychology, I decided I was going to actually formally start a business on the side, part-time, doing website support for small businesses. And so that was January 2000. And uh, I never 
I never anticipated full-time entrepreneurship. That was never in the roadmap. I'm not a born entrepreneur. I think some people are just, they know their entire life that they are not cut out to work for somebody else. That was not me. I was happy with the routine. Now I could never go back, but <laughs> right. Amen. Uh, oh my gosh. There's just no way I am unemployable as far as I'm concerned. Amen. But I, so after I finished university, I actually continued working for the university in their continuing studies department. And then I left to take a job as an office administrator at a tech company. And I had only been there for a handful of months when a hand injury that I'd had in high school reared its ugly head again. And suddenly my whole job is about writing and typing and I can't do it all of a sudden. Yeah. Oh no. So that's this is when before we could do, Hey Siri. Oh, have- this was before Facebook. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, this was before, um, you know, Facebook groups and social media support. And here I was, um, a young entrepreneur and there really were very few resources out there for those of us in our twenties who wanted to do something different and folks who are starting their businesses now today oh my gosh the the resources that you have at your disposal it's it's just a completely different situation i building business is still hard but at least you can find your tribe and your community to help you um absolutely you know tackle those challenges so that kind of forced me into into entrepreneurship and i had to quickly come out of my introvert shell and get out and start networking because there was no online networking. Um, and I met a woman who was a graphic designer and we just really hit it off and decided to build a company together. She would do the design. I organized the projects and then we did that for a couple of years. And then we moved more into building websites and doing digital marketing. And we, from 2007 till 2013, we had a digital marketing company, um, with a, we had the employees, we had the office, we had the whole thing. And then by early January, or I think it was January, 2013, we realized, okay, we're, it, it's time to do something different. This is not lighting us up anymore. And we went our separate ways, very amicable separation. We are still on very good terms, but I went back out on my own in April, 2013, focused specifically on websites and largely on the wedding industry and supporting them. So the, kind of the way I got into the education side of it is that I was seeing the same mistakes being made over and over by wedding industry professionals. And a lot of the time they were things that they could easily do themselves. It didn't require building a completely new website to solve these challenges. They just didn't know what they didn't know. So I started focusing a lot more on trying to teach them what those mistakes were and what they could do to avoid them in the first place and to deal with them once they had happened. It's, it's crazy how, like, we don't set out to do these things, right? No. <laughs> We're, like, I'm listening to you and I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm talking to myself here. It's awesome. <laughs> but it's so true. It's like, we don't, you know, like now I'm in an, I'm in an awesome entrepreneur group. I actually used to be involved in a ton of networking groups that were kind of supposed to be focused on education, but really what it ended up being was like, what free food and drink can everybody yeah. get and like I never saw the value in that and now, I'm like if I'm not walking away I, with something I'm not I don't belong here no and I've heard you refer to EO is that the group you're yes. talking about yes. yes actually we were um and you know part of EO accelerators so yes, um, when like, my business partner and I were we're still working together so yeah, yeah. great organization 
Yeah. So like our accelerator is called Catalyst, the same thing. And um, I went through that almost 10 years ago, but it changed (laughs) my perspective and it actually put me around the right people. And I started to learn like, okay, and go to things that are not in your industry because the wedding and events industry and still to this day, they're so behind Mm -hmm. in technology and they don't know what they don't know. Like you, exactly what you said, because they're so busy and focused on taking care of other people Mm -hmm. that the last thing they want to do is take care of their own brand. I mean, I was so guilty of it. And so it's funny how, like, I think of my very first website and it was in flash It was beautiful. Actually, it wasn't my first website. I take that back. I worked at the hospital and this guy in IT who I became good friends with, he knew I was just doing weddings for fun. And he like threw up this website. I don't even know what the best, it probably lived on the hospital server for all I knew. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But it was some pictures and it was awful. And I didn't understand what a logo or branding was. And then after doing it for fun for a few years and people started to ask and my uncle's like, you really need to get a business license and insurance. And I'm like, okay, I didn't, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but okay. And so just best surrounding myself with the right people. But I had, my best friend was dancing at a new year's Eve party in LA and it was live streamed, which back then was like unheard of. Like that didn't exist. So me and her mom and dad on new Year's sat around their big ass computer and <laughs> watch. I don't even know how it streamed through the internet. Like it, it was very pixely, but the person who did the website, I'm like this, I love this website. And I just reached out. I'm like, this is probably a million dollars, but I reached out to him and it actually was like this really small company in LA and he, him and his company, they are still to this day, <laughs> 16 yeah. years later. Yeah. Um, my, my guys and my, my company, they're not cheap because they've grown. I'm probably like literally their smallest little fish, but they've grown into understanding and explaining what is visual identity. And when people are like, I want to build an app, I'm like, well, do you have all of that? Like, they, they don't understand like the terminology terms, right. but unfortunately, a lot of people don't have that tight team that they've grown together and they, they watch each other's back and they take care of each other. I've actually heard most of the opposite with, I mean, my friends have ended up in lawsuits <laughs> over websites. Oh, I believe it. I've, I've heard so many stories that resulted in legal action having to be taken. I mean, it's, it's terrible. It's crazy. So, so like, what are the most common things that have just been like a complete nightmare? And obviously you see the reason of like, okay, it's not like I set up to do education, same thing with me and productivity and technology, but like, it's like, I can't keep my mouth shut when I know there's a better (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you can see somebody's doing something that's going to hurt themselves and you know how to stop it from happening, Mm -hmm. I think you're doing a disservice if you don't open your mouth. (laughs) Right? So I know that you outline like five things and types of, of things that people can usually do, like backup security, things like that. So what are those five things that where people should just say, okay, to avoid 
nightmare number one, do these things? Like, what does that look like? What does that look like? Okay. So it, it does tend to fall into five main types of these website nightmares. There is overlap amongst them. So they can get a little bit muddy, but um, I, I kind of like to carve them out into five sort of different areas. And those are number one, not having all your logins. Number two, not having account ownership. The third is not having backups. The fourth is not implementing proper security. And the fifth is hiring the wrong damn developers. So um, not, not all of those things will happen to everybody. Some of these are specific to certain platforms. The backups and security issues tend to be more WordPress-based issues, which is not surprising when you realize that you know, like 75 million websites were powered by WordPress in, in 2019. So it's, it's a big target, which it it makes sense why that's a bigger target. But I would say that the majority of creative industry professionals will encounter at least one of those five types if they don't take steps to protect themselves. So um, do you just want to go through kind of each of those or (laughs) maybe tackle them one at a time? Well, first I want to ask you, um, like, what is your, and you may not even have like a top one or like a favorite one of a case study where it's like this person came to you, they didn't back up or they didn't oh have my like, gosh, your, I have, do you have a top story of like, cause I feel like people can yeah. understand, like whenever I'm talking about, um, how in college I didn't back up my computer, this is what happened back then. Floppy jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what the hell that was. Um, my, my identity has been stolen. Our websites haven't been hacked. Like, thankfully I I have people that are proactive. Um, now I have stories, but what are the stories? I mean, I'm sure you could probably write a book. Oh, Um, I I could probably write a book. (laughs) But like, what are the top stories where it's like, people were so blindsided, like, oh my God, I didn't even know that my website wasn't backed up or I didn't know it was secure. Yeah, definitely the backups are a big issue. Um, I'm, and and you, if you ask a few people, ask in any Facebook group that you're in, if anybody's ever had a website horror story, and you're going to get stories flying back at you. Um, one woman told me how they discovered that their website was gone. She got to the office and all the pages had been deleted overnight. There was just a handful of blank template pages remaining. And um, the hosting company's customer service basically said, well, it looks like they were deleted on your end and they had no backup and they had nothing, nothing to be able to restore. So they ended up switching hosting companies and basically starting from scratch. Other stories, people who just six weeks after building and launching their first website, they had some sort of technical issue with the theme, broke the website. Uh, the hosting company support sucked. And that's going to be a common thread you're going to uh-huh. pick up on. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they, it was taking like a week for them to get back per response on their support oh ticket. No backup. I think the one that stands out the most to me because it was one of my clients that it happened to, she suddenly went to her website one day and it was gone. And she's wondering where on earth is it? I'm fully paid up on my hosting what what's going on the hosting company had accidentally marked her account as terminated even though she was paid up like for the next year so her website's gone they wouldn't talk to her on the phone they kept saying you have to submit a ticket by email they weren't responding that way they she had no access to the backups on the hosting company and i think this is a big mistake that a lot of 
wedding professionals and creative professionals make is they assume that their hosting company has a backup and is going to take care of them. Well, number one, if something happens to that backup, all your eggs are in that basket. And number two, if you can't reach the hosting company for some reason, if they're not providing great customer support, and a lot of them definitely don't, if you're relying on them to restore that, then your hands are absolutely tied. Your business is dependent on them. And I never want to see somebody be dependent on somebody else for the functioning of a, you know, their chief marketing vehicle. So, so how do people, because over the years, like, yes, WordPress and then, you know, like people of our generation, it's like the only ones like GoDaddy Network Solutions. I think those were like the main two back then. And then now, I mean, there's Wix and Squares. Like there's all, I mean, there's yeah. so many ads of like build it on this and da, 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 da. So like how, what are the questions, the right questions, even if you've been in business 30 years, people, and you have your website, which I'm hoping that you're facelifting it every year. <laughs> um, but what are questions that, and what are things that people can do to make sure like this doesn't happen? The biggest thing is that you have to take responsibility for your own backups. Now, this is going to be a WordPress specific thing. If you're on a Squarespace or a Wix or a Weebly or some other sort of site builder, it is a proprietary software and you're not going to have access to the code to be able to make backups. The only thing you could conceivably do is keep a copy of the content that you have on the website and, and the images and that sort of thing. But as far as the actual website goes, you're not going to be responsible for doing the backups because you can't do the backups. So I would imagine given the business model of those companies that they have backups upon backups, because if they don't, <laughs> they are jeopardizing the entire, um, the integrity of their entire business. So if you're on one of those platforms, this isn't an area that you need to worry about but if you're on WordPress, you cannot rely on your hosting company for their backups. So I'm a huge proponent of putting a third-party automated backup solution on your, on your website. The one I always recommend is VaultPress. Um, I have seen other backup plugins. I know some people will, will mention, well, I've got this one and that one's fine. But we've worked with a lot of them. And VaultPress is the only one we've never seen fail in some capacity. And it's dirt cheap. It's like $39 a year. It's okay, people get vault press. Yes, please now. Get vault press. It's they'll help you install it if, if you're running into problems. They have good documentation on how to install it. Now you might need a little developer help to um, do the final part of it because it and I won't go into the technical details here, but basically if you want to be able to restore your website, there's something else you have to set up to make that possible. But even if you don't get to that point it's really easy to set it up so it's backing up automatically. And then it's going to store 30 days worth of backups. And one of the benefits of that is that let's say it's day 10 and you realize that on day two, your website was hacked. Now, hopefully you will have discovered it sooner than eight days later. But if you only had a daily backup happening with a hosting company and if they are overwriting the daily backup, you would have a backup of the hacked website. Does that make sense? And then, yeah, like all the code is hacked. And one of the companies that I coach um, called Fetfully, it's, it's, they serve, service the wedding industry. She, again, you don't know what you don't know. And someone had commented on the blog and it was being hosted by GoDaddy. And that's exactly what happened. And so she came to the realization, which 
guys, if this shit happens to you, like everything happens for a reason. Okay. So like when I lose things, I'm like, God, this is okay. I'm going to tell a story to make sure it never happens again. It's a, it's a chance for you to reboot, start over, be, be more relevant. It kind of forces you. And so, but I mean, there was probably over $30,000 invested into building all this code for these quizzes, for these clients and these mm-hmm couples. And I mean, she finally was just like, okay, I'm going to have to raise money. She basically went and found an investor and she did it and it pushed her, but she's met so many amazing people along the way. And now she has two wonderful people backing her up and it's actually 10 Xing, like her, her productivity. So at the time, you know, it's like, everyone's kind of in tears and you're mad at yourself. And I'm like, don't, put your stuff on GoDaddy without paying the $10 a month or whatever it is for the extra security and turn your blog comments off. I think I'm scarred from that, (laughs) but it's like, what can people do there for on the secure side of it? Well, I mean, if you have a backup in place, at least, you know, that even if the shit hits the fan, you're going to be able to restore your site. So that client who, whose hosting company accidentally terminated her site, I had two or three months prior said, you know, we have to, I want you to take control of this. We have to get a backup in place. And we had set Vault Press up. So when she called me and she's just about to break down, I was able to, to say, okay, we're good. We've got a backup. I'm going to go set up new hosting for you on a hosting company that I actually know will take care of you. And we're going to restore your website from that backup. So even if, even if the unexpected happens, if you have a backup, at least you can know that you're going to be able to get back up and running. But security is another aspect of it. I mean, if you can prevent this thing from happening in the first place, you're going to be a lot happier. And you're Because not only is it going to be incredibly frustrating and scary to, to go through something like that, it really cuts into the time you should be spend, spending on building your own business. You shouldn't be spending your time trying to clean up a hacked website. You should be spending it focusing on the thing that you do best. So again, this is one of those things where WordPress is, like I mentioned, is definitely going to be the bigger target. Um, There was a Security Week article in 2018 that actually indicated 18 and a half million websites are infected with malware at any given time each week, and an average website is attacked 44 times a day. That's terrifying. I mean, I was reading that thinking, really? We just don't see it most of the time. It doesn't mean that it's you know, if it's attacked 44 times a day, it doesn't mean that it's successful. But if you can put some barriers in between those hacking attempts and those infection attempts and your website, then you really should be taking that opportunity. If you're on a Squarespace, again, they are going to be responsible for managing this. But if you are on WordPress, you should be doing some very basic best practices. You need to be running your WordPress updates. And I know a lot of people think that that's just a nice to have and that um, if things are working fine, why update it? You need to update it because there's often patches in there to prevent vulnerabilities from happening. So you really need to be doing it on a monthly basis. Um, That usually monthly is sufficient, but if there's a critical release of a security update, then you need to be jumping on it a little bit faster. But even if you're just setting a monthly task in your 
your project management software, whether you're using something like Asana, or even if you just have some sort of calendar reminder, do your updates and keep that up to date. That is probably going to plug most of the hacking attempts. I had one client who was not running her WordPress updates and not surprisingly, she got hacked. And then we cleaned it up for her. And then a couple months later, she called me saying her website had been hacked again because she had not been doing her updates again. It's probably the biggest way that people have their websites compromised. So even if you just do that, and if you make sure that you're using strong passwords and that you also limit the login access that you give people to your admin login, that's probably going to protect you a lot of the time. And that doesn't cost anything. These are not expensive solutions. Yeah. Be proactive. <laughs> yeah. Don't wait until it happens to you. Absolutely. Um, I do know like with WordPress, we pay like $89 a month. There's something with WordPress where, and maybe mm -hmm. it's through my hosting company where we, you pay a monthly fee and then they take care of all of that. So like they back it up, they, um, they make sure it's secure. I'll get emails every once in a while from like my WordPress person and they're like, hey, there's this new secure thing with Google. So when people go to your website, if people are paying attention to the URL, if it says not secure, like that means your website's not secure. It'll probably like smart people won't, won't go there. And so like, they're yeah, just- That's the SSL side of things. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit. Cause I feel like I was like, what? I mean, it just went over my head. I'm like, how much does it cost? I'll just pay you to do it. <laughs> but not well, everybody and, is like that. No, and, and here's the thing. If you, if you just know that you're not going to be able to stay on top of doing the updates and you don't have an assistant or somebody on your team that can do it, you can pay a WordPress developer to support you in that. We do it for a ton of clients every month where we maintain it for them and they know it's taken care of. And the SSL is something that people had to make sure that they, so if you look at the uh, your website address. If you just have HTTP, you should have HTTPS. It means that you have a, an SSL certificate in there. In past days, it, you only really needed it if you were collecting sensitive information. But now Google Chrome is showing a, a sign that something is, that the website is not secure if you don't have that. Now, it's really more of a, co a conversion issue because like you said, if they're smart and they see that, it just doesn't really build a lot of trust to see something saying not secure. Not all hosting companies make it easy to set that up, but some of them like SiteGround, for example, it's, they have a free Let's Encrypt uh, SSL certificate, so it costs nothing. It's really easy to set up. So this is not a costly thing that you, you need to do. But again, a lot of this stuff can feel very overwhelming. So if you have a website developer you trust that you work with, ask them for support. This might be something that they can help you with on a monthly basis. And then I would also talk to them about putting in a security plugin. So the one I always recommend is one called Securi, S-U-C-U-R-I. It's malware monitoring and cleanup software. So okay. basically what it'll do is it's going to, it's got a firewall as well. It's going to prevent your website from being hacked in the first place. It's going to alert you if your website is compromised and it's going to provide cleanup if your website actually does get compromised. And it's like 200 bucks a year. And I can tell you right now that 
I'm not going to be able to clean up somebody's hacked website for, for under $200. Oh, hell no. Oh, absolutely not. And the great thing is that, I mean, if you do this proactively, you're probably never going to be hacked in the first place. Every client that we have had on security has been spared entirely from security threats. But if you are already in a position where your website, if you're listening to this right now and your website has been hacked, you can still set up security and they will go in and clean it up for that price. And then you'll have the protection from their system for the rest of the year for that annual cost. So a few just super simple things. And when I go in and teach tech, um, tech classes I, or workshops, I cannot believe how many people don't have their logins. Yes. And they, um, they use the same password for everything, which I'm like a huge proponent because I've had things stolen multiple times. I'm like, guys, don't do that. Like use one password, the app or LastPass or- LastPass is, yeah, that's the one I usually recommend. I mean, it, these are just simple things. And then keep your website logins and stuff in that secure place. And then also not having ownership, which I feel like we could, I could talk to you all day. Oh about. my gosh. Yeah. But like one of my favorite <laughs> it's stories, like this beautiful design place in New York that I was working with, he, I mean, they did so well. He had this guy working for him and he wanted to start his own website company. He fully supported this guy. He was his first client and everything. I don't know if this was intentional. But I mean, he was like basically building a design website for million dollar weddings and events that looked like a Beyonce website, literally. Hmm. And so whenever the guy like, um, they parted ways because it, it didn't start to go very well after a year in. And then I got involved as a consultant just on some other things. And I started looking into things and I'm like, you don't own your domain. I'm like, yeah. who is this person? And I'm like, what is this company? And he's like, oh my God, that was one of my crazy employees that I had to let go. And it was, not, and I was like, well, he owns your domain. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like on the back end looking at stuff. And it's like these smart business people, really creative, <laughs> who aren't smart business people, they don't know this shit. No, not at and all. And then people, then they, then I like, you know, had to contact him and then he realized he still had control and then he went in and changed a bunch of stuff, oh, but like really awful things like up on the pages and like held him hostage for money. I'm like, I feel like I'm in like one of those movies where like someone's kidnapping something. I mean, do, what is like your, your craziest story of people not realizing that they don't own their do domain. Like that's and I've problem. seen it. It is a big problem. And I've seen, you know, some of the worst situations happen out of that. Sometimes they're really simple. Like I re I have a new client who we discovered recently that the domain is not in her name. It's actually in her ex-husband's name. Fortunately, they are on very good terms and it was easy to make that transition over, but that could have gone very badly. Um, I had one, um, she was actually a former client. She, her domain was held hostage by her developer. It actually required, this is one of those places that required legal action to regain control of it. And it was a lengthy process. And until that happened, until she actually could regain control of it, she could not use the .com of her own business name. She had to do business under an alternate version, an alternate, um, like I think she had to do business under the .ca instead of the .com. 
until she could claim claim ownership. Uh, somebody else told me how their brother-in-law had looked things over once and discovered that the person who had helped build the website had listed herself as the domain owner. And then when they asked her to change that, suddenly that friend became completely hostile and uncooperative. And I've had other clients where I had, I seem to do this a lot. I seem to have to swoop in and help detach clients from the website mafia <laughs> to get yes. them. And you have to, it's ridiculous. You have to really be strategic and careful and try to figure out how to get access to things without setting off alarm bells that they're trying to transfer things out of the control of that person. So, I mean, if you're dealing with a situation where your developer has set up the hosting for your website in their name, if you at least have access to your domain and you have backups, we can cut that person off and, and get you set up and running again. But if you don't own your domain, you're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if, and again, like, because I feel like, I mean, now there's true professional digital marketing website companies, mm -hmm. but back in the day, like where people were just kind of helping people. And again, I don't think, um, some of the situations I've heard, I don't think it's malicious. It's just like, Oh, let me take care of that for you, which I'm a control freak. However, yeah. like if I'm helping someone, this actually just happened. To, so I don't even know how I get some of these people, but a friend of a friend of a friend who moved to Nashville, they do all these luxury home buildings. She's an awesome interior designer. I think it was from the design thing. She like, she's like, oh my God, we got into this cult type real estate flipping something and it was 10 grand for the weekend and we paid and this is our website and this is our domain, but this isn't our brand and it's all, and it was, it was terrible. And so, um, I, 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 I didn't want to like do it, but like, I know how to do it and I felt sorry for her. And so I'm like, all right, listen, I'm just going to help you. Like, we're going to set you up on square. So we're going to just do something easy to at least get that domain driving to traffic that shows what you actually freaking do, which is you do right. build be her husband's a builder and she does all the design. So we, I get into it and then trying to transfer a domain from like this cult-like thing to over to Squarespace shouldn't be that hard. But then like I had to throw my hands up and tell one of my team members, like who has way more patience than me and who's yeah. way more nice than me when it comes to customer <laughs> service. Cause I have zero threshold for any of the bullshit. I just, I can't. And then your I tolerance level weird. leaves a little yeah. bit of it. And so she spent hours and days yep. trying to get this domain. And so I'm like, what is that? It, so basically what happened is it was a website or that company, Fortune Builder Real Estate something or another. I don't even know. Don't quote me on that because I don't know what it's called. But they owned and it, it had nothing. The, the back end website had nothing to do with any. It was like some random thing like my dog's name is Pepe.com. I mean, not that, but it was that random. And then they were forwarding that to the fortune builder something. Then they were forwarding that to like her domain. And like, I mean, it literally was like, I felt like a detective for a month. It literally took us almost a month to move it over. And people don't understand, like, just pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And she's like, I don't even know what that is. I'm like, you sign, and it happens a lot to doctors too. They go to these, com these uh, continuing medical education conferences 
and they sign these $50,000 contracts where they're going to build you a new website with e-commerce oh and you're going to have all these uh, um, um, amazing content and blah, blah, blah. What they don't read in the fine print because they don't have their attorney review it is that company owns everything. So when your contract's up 36 months later or whatever it is, and you decide, I don't want to do that anymore, you it's have gone. nothing. Yep. Gone. Yep. So it, it's just, oh my gosh, people, just make well, sure you own your stuff. <laughs> and, and I understand how this happens. I think a lot of people, one of the reasons I do what I do in terms of educating around creative professionals around websites is there are so many people that are scared of their websites. They're, they are, there's this huge tech fear and I completely understand it. It can feel very overwhelming. So what they do is if somebody comes in and says, I'll just take care of setting that up for you. Of course they say, sure, great. You take care of it. Mm -hmm. And they don't think to follow up and say, okay, great. Well, can let's make sure that can I now transfer that information into my name? Like I do this a lot for people where they want me to just take care of setting it up. But number one, I always set it up in their name. It may be attached to my uh, temporary email address and my billing information initially, but I will always register it in their name. And the second part of that is as soon as we're up and running, I want all of that in your hands. I don't want to be responsible for it. I don't want you to suddenly not update your credit card information and then something doesn't get renewed. I don't want that responsibility. But you, in that case, you're relying on your web developer to be proactive and to facilitate that process of transferring it. So I would suggest for anybody listening, log into your domain. And for a lot of you, you're not going to know where that is right now. <laughs> so that's step number one is figure out what all your logins are. And then log into your domain account, log into your hosting as well, but especially your domain, and make sure it's actually registered in your name with your contact information and attached to an email address that you actually have access to. Yes, stop what you're doing now. <laughs> if you've never done this. Pause this episode. <laughs> Pull over, because I know a lot of you listen when you're driving. Okay, when you get home, you can do this. Yes. yes, but it's like, guys, it's that important. Like, it is that important. So if somebody is listening and they're like, shit, like, it's not like I'm finding myself in this situation. Like, what is your recommendation? Like, what the hell should they do? <laughs> Well, if they don't know where it's registered and they just don't even know how to get started and they're feeling completely stuck, go to your web developer. They can probably help you with the detective work to figure out at least where it's located. And you may end up having to get on, the on a call with the domain registrar and giving them some information to prove that you are in fact the owner of that so that you can um, reset up the login information if you don't have that. That happens very frequently. This is why it all of these steps can just be totally avoided if you if you take care of this in the beginning. But we have had to do detective work to figure out, okay, where is it located? Okay, how are we going to regain access to this? Most of the time you can regain access and then it's pretty smooth sailing from there. If you can't or you find out that it's attached to an email address you don't have access to, then you kind of have to start taking it step by step to figure out, okay, what's the next step here to, to try to regain access to this? And hopefully you don't find yourself in a situation where you're having to file legal action against somebody because they're not accommodating and giving you what is rightfully yours. I have heard people who've had to scrap a domain and start fresh with a new website. And I mean, you just, you can avoid that altogether. I think that's what breaks my heart most of the time is 
I see people in these situations and I know that if somebody had just guided them with a few Mm -hmm. quick tips that cost them nothing or very little money, they would have been able to avoid all of that heartache in the first place. Yeah. And and like, I'll say our website developers, they're, they're very protective and I'm so appreciative. And it's like, it it happened one time. It only takes one time. And we (laughs) were working with someone who is, I thought I was just going to outsource like lead pages and click funnels and all this stuff that I didn't want to do. And then I find out like, Oh, they're stealing from me. <laughs> like that's oh, not, gosh. I should probably figure this out myself. So now like I've educated myself. It's given me multiple migraine headaches over the years. However, the, when we were starting to implement and tie some of the lead pages um, so that we could look at conversions and track things, Uh, One of my team members, she's like, we really need to put a pixel on all of your pages on your website and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like that's so so over my head. And so it's basically for tracking. Mm -hmm. And that's another important thing that if you're spending even a dollar a day on some type of ads or online, whatever, which SEO is very expensive. But the thing with like your domain and your content We've learned over the years that if you put out consistent content with consistent keywords, you get organic placement. And Mm -hmm. that's why your domain is so valuable. If you've had it for 20 years, like you can't go back and pay any amount of money to get that organic reach where the Google algorithms, I don't even know how it freaking works. They used to call it like the little spiders that crawl up and down Google. (laughs) But I I guess to like put it in terms that people can actually understand. Um, So if you, do you have any best practices currently for people that they think they're going to put a brand new website up with a brand new domain and they're going to pay Google $5,000 a month for this high placement? I mean, what are your thoughts on like actual paying to be at the top versus organic content? Because it's such a difference. Yeah, and I will say right at the outset that um, SEM and SEO is is not my wheelhouse, but I know a little something about it because I, I work um, quite closely with uh, Shay Bailey, who's my SEO specialist, and we do a lot of SEO projects and trainings together. Um, his opinion is that you are going to end up having to do a combination of both. If it, it, The landscape is so competitive now, and there's a lot that you can do in terms of organic. But like you said, if you hire somebody, it's, it's quite expensive, and you can do it yourself, but it is it's a lot of work. Um, but even if you are having somebody work on your SEO or you're working on it yourself, chances are you are going to need to invest in some paid advertising as well if you really want to get the reach that you're looking for. Um, I hesitate to say too much more about that simply because yeah, yeah. it's not my wheelhouse. But um, you're, right, you're absolutely but it's just, you have to pay attention to it. Somebody told me the other yeah. day, she said she felt like SEO was not a thing anymore and that now it was, what she call it? Um, it was user engagement optimization instead. And I think there's a misnomer here that they're not two separate things. User engagement, engagement SEO is kind of the fourth thing. We talk about four types of SEO. There's on-page, off-page, technical, and then there's this engagement SEO. How people engage with your website is one of the top three ranking factors that Google looks at. It's content, backlinks, and engagement. So, so to back up for people who don't know what all of those mean, <laughs> 
Right. Just dumb it down for us. Okay. So what, and also to the other big thing that I've seen on some of our clients, we go into the back end and it's like none of the fields like tags, meta right. tag, like it's not filled out. So it's like someone built them a website. It looks really pretty on the front end, but guess what? People pretty don't work Yo, <laughs> when the yeah. back end isn't set up. So if you could just share some pointers with like what that means, front page, back page, filling out all, all those stuff. things. Sure. Yeah. So on page optimization, on page SEO are all the things that you can actually do on your website. So it is going to be things like um, if you are on WordPress and they have Yoast, the Yoast plugin is very common. You can fill in your, your, um, your description tags and your title tags and all of those things. This is, these are places where you can put keyword content that you are uh, targeting. Um, off page are the things that you do that aren't on your website. So building links, backlinks back to your website, getting listed in directories, for example, doing link outreach to try to get yourself listed on other websites or doing guest blogging, all those things that would build traffic back to your website. Technical SEO are, it, it is a higher level of this is where I could drop a lot of jargon and I won't, <laughs> but you're going to be looking more at the uh, page speed optimization of your website. A lot of people don't understand that if you have a slow website, not only does that kill your conversions, that will also have a negative impact on your SEO, which is why page speed optimization and, and you know, conquering a sluggish website is something I do a lot of educating around as well. So technical is going to be those more advanced things that you can do to your website to improve the chances of Google ranking you. And then engagement SEO is how people behave on your website, um, how long they're looking at your content and uh, how many pages they're visiting on your content. It's, it is so overwhelming for most people because there are so many factors that go into it. And I think this is where a lot of folks just kind of figure, I, I'm just not going to deal with this. It's too much. I just don't know what to do next. But I think if they have a bit of a checklist, Shay and I actually did put a 90-day a SEO checklist together for people to help them focus on the right things to do and how they can start getting some lift on their SEO in a three-month period if they just check these boxes off. So I might give you a link to that if you think that might be yeah. helpful for your audience. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, anything that, and again, Y'all, I've learned like these terms and stuff out of necessity because I'm like, how did this happen? Like, I don't understand. Like the one guy that we worked with in the beginning, you know, we gave him the whole back end to WordPress, which my website developer was very, and he's like, I just don't feel good about this. Like, do you trust this guy? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, just do it. It's well, guess what? Like he messed a bunch of stuff up. It cost me thousands of dollars to have it yeah. fixed. And then- Donnie and my lead guy's like, I'm never doing that again. I don't care what you say. He's like, you can have the back end of the key to keep it on fire, but they're very protective. You oh, I get it. I completely yeah. understand where he's coming from because people don't realize that if you're just handing out administrative access to your website willy-nilly, every single person you've given that to has the ability to completely take your website down, whether yeah, purposefully or not. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. You know, it's like, I've learned all these things the hard way, but yeah. like take responsibility and make sure that you're at least like covering yourself. Like we're busy running businesses. Like you don't want to deal with these unexpected 
nightmares that you wake up and you're like, where's my website? Like one more crazy story. A friend of mine, they agreed on she'll pay X amount of dollars to build the website, which I know that's really hard when, you know, things come up code. I I, I don't even, I'm not even going to say it because I don't even know what all the (laughs) words mean, but like she wanted some more things done. They gave her a price. She decided she wasn't going to pay for that. And so they basically went in and put on every page of her website, the website's down until you pay your bill. So basically all of her clients were seeing that. So one of her clients actually went on the website and she emailed her and she was like, hey, I tried to get into the website because she has a subscription-based service where people go and log in to get the monthly style tips and pictures and the clothes coming out for the season and all that. She's like, I paid my bill. I don't understand why I can't get in. And it, it kept happening where clients thought that it was that a message, message to them. Oh yes. my gosh. It was awful. And she had to sue them and take them to court. Like it was such, I mean, she ended up, in the hospital for days because her blood pressure was so high. Like people don't, don't wait, don't let that happen. (laughs) Well, and and unfortunately, unfortunately, that's another one of those nightmares that can happen is just ending up hiring a developer, a web designer who is just straight from hell. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a harder one to av- avoid because it's not like I can say here, put this plugin in and it'll protect you from evil developers. It's the reality is that it, it is a lot more difficult to prevent that from happening. And the biggest thing I can say is you have to do your due diligence when you're hiring. I cannot tell you how many people I've talked to during sales calls for potentially working together to build a website. And I flat on offer up references to clients and, and I'm like, please talk to my previous clients, ask them what the process was like, learn more about how we work. Nobody checks references for web developers. And I don't understand why. (laughs) As for case studies, people, like I was looking at your website and you've got multiple case studies on here um, of how you've helped people and guys, so Brenda has her own podcast too. What do, tell them how they can go and listen to all these fabulous tips. <laughs> uh, it's, more. It is called the Create a Better Website Podcast with Brenda Cadman. Um, fairly new. We just launched it on September 18th and the feedback has been very positive so far. So Yay. I'm really glad that I switched to doing that over weekly video because I'll tell you, it's a lot easier to batch up yeah. <laughs> audio than it is video. Um, so yeah, if, if, if you just go search for that on Apple podcasts or, or iTunes, um, you will find that I do need to get myself listed on Stitcher and Spotify and all the other ones, but it's fairly new. So these are the kinds of things that I'm trying to talk about. They are shorter episodes. They tend to be more in the 15 to 30 minute range because I know that a lot of what I talk about can feel quite heavy Mm -hmm. and I try to make it as accessible as possible and understandable as possible, but I want to focus on bite-sized chunks of website education so that people can slowly but surely build up their website confidence and know the questions to ask and know, you know, if you, if they are hiring a developer, this will be an upcoming episode topic is 
the questions to ask if you are hiring a website developer. So you improve your chances of getting somebody that not only is technically capable of doing the work, but is also going to be a good working fit for you. Because you've mentioned this long relationship you've had with your developer. I actually have a gentleman that I still support on his website and he was a client before I was even officially a business. I've worked with him for more than 20 years. And that's awesome though. That only happens because you find a really good fit. So there are questions you can ask to make sure that you've imp- improved the chances of finding that right person. And unfortunately, I guess like in it's any hard. industry, there's a lot of bad apples out there that make it a lot harder for the rest of us. <laughs> it's hard. So if people have questions that they want you to talk about on the podcast, would they go to bonaccordcreative.com and submit or email your question? If, if people have follow-up from this podcast, what is the best way for them to contact you? So they can contact me on the website, or if they um, go to the website, they can also find a link to our Facebook group, or you can just jump in Facebook and look for it directly. If you look for uh, Create a Better Website Podcast Community, you'll find the Facebook group, and then not only can you um, post questions you have that you would like me to cover on the podcast, you can also just share any questions you have about your website in general, and you'll probably get some feedback from the rest of the community. We have over uh, 3,000 members in there right now. It originally started as a wedding industry group, specifically websites for wedding industry professionals. So if you are in a creative field, you're going to probably find a lot of other folks in there who have similar experiences and can provide some feedback. And those, those of us who are creative, we need the most help when it comes to this. <laughs> so it like makes you feel a little bit better. Um, and then you have this free website planning guide do, that yeah. it's like how to avoid common mistakes. And so where can people go and get that? If they go to, um, actually, if they just go straight to createabetterwebsite.com forward slash plan. Okay. That will redirect them to the guide. Okay. So guys, we'll put that in the show notes. So if you're driving, don't stop to write that down. <laughs> or you can't really tell Siri to multitask. Did you think now you can tell if people subscribe to your podcast and you tell Siri, like, hey Siri, listen to the latest episode on like my phone's gonna react right now. And it will play the latest episode on that oh, podcast. Cool. It's so cool. Siri and I have a love-hate relationship because I have an eight-year-old who likes to play with Siri and ask her absolutely ridiculous questions. So I'm a little tired of it. Yeah. It's, it's so funny. Like, but I, I truly like probably 50 or 60 times a day. I'm like, Hey Siri, Hey Siri, Siri. I mean, it just, once you start like using those reminders, I really, like you were saying a long time ago where you couldn't type, like I have carpal tunnel from the right. old of typing, like my elbows hurt, my neck hurts. And like, although we have all Apple products ergonomically, you guys, that's what Apple is focused on is a good experience for ergonomics. So your joints don't hurt, but I really try hard to not touch and type because then I don't have to like go soak in Epsom salt for two oh, hours. I totally hear you. I mean, I, I still struggle with um, it. it so it's tenosynovitis in my, yeah. De Carvain's tenosynovitis. It's in my thumb. 
and you don't realize how much you use your thumb Mm -hmm. and your fingers until you can't all of a sudden. So yeah, I'm huge on, I dictate like as much as I possibly can. Yep. I have Blackberry thumb. Anybody remember? Uh, (laughs) I had one. (laughs) I'm so dating myself, but it's like, I loved that little wheel, but having that little wheel and like having Blackberry thumb, it really, I mean, the older you get, like, I love my age and I love that, you know, the older we get, the more wise we get, the more experience (laughs) we get, the more people respect you. So it's good. But like those bad habits with like doing things on tech early on in my career, I, it just, it kills me. And like, I'll see people even at the airport and sitting next to me in the airplane and I so get in their business. I'm like, you know, that you can just like put your thumb right there and the pressure goes there and you can do this with two and three fingers and you don't have to do that. And I, like, this is why. And they're like, quit talking to me. <laughs> but it's like, I just can't help it. But actually they're very thankful because, because people, they don't, they don't know. They don't know. Well, better. It's the same thing. Yeah. They don't know what they don't know. And sometimes we're resistant to changing the way that we Mm. do things. But once we understand that it's for the betterment, whether it's, it's our health or our physical well-being or the health of our website, um, I think most people are, are more receptive because once the injury is there, whether it's to you physically or to your website, it's a lot harder to, to fix it and deal with it. It is. Well, this has been so amazing and enlightening and people, please go back and listen to this if you're driving and make sure that you own your website. That's the first thing. Make sure it's secure and go over to Brenda's website and get this free guide and make sure that you are doing these things. And then of course, if you're like, I don't know what to do, you can just reach out to Brenda. She's there to help. (laughs) I am indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today. And thank you so much, everybody, for listening to another episode of Business Unveiled. Be sure to tune in next week for more great tips and like juicy. This was like good, juicy, just hard stuff that people need to know. (laughs) So everybody have a great day. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. And I'm so very grateful if you leave a review. Be sure you are a subscriber so you never, ever miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled. Also, be sure that you are part of my email list. And if you're not, sign up today at AngelaProfit.com, where I share valuable resources and exclusive products with only my subscribers. Now, before I go, I want to ask you, if you have a story or a product to share with the creative industry, please let me know. To be considered as a guest on Business Unveiled, visit AngelaProfit.com and submit a podcast guest form. Until next time, remember to stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.